Welcome to The Art of the Impossible, a podcast for the design and manufacturing industry that explores how you can leverage technology, processes, and people to make the impossible possible. I'm Asif Mogul, Senior Industry Manager at Autodesk, and each week I'll be joined by two experts from the design and manufacturing world to discuss their perspectives on the challenges our industry faces and share what they're doing to overcome them. From smart products, mass customization, digitization, supply chain resilience, and the convergence of once diverse industries, this podcast is for anyone that runs a design and manufacturing business who's interested in making things possible. You can subscribe by following us on Apple, Spotify, or via your favorite platform. Today, we're going to be discussing digital transformation and hear about how technology is empowering businesses, reshaping manufacturing, and building the industries of tomorrow. So to help, we've got two very special guests here to tell us about the innovations and technologies that have powered their company's transformation. And we hope that some of their stories inspire you on your own journey into the future. Our guests are William Bridgman, Chairman of Warren Services, and Chris Greeno, Chief Commercial Officer of SDE Technology. Good morning, guys. Morning. Morning, Asif. Great. Um, so it would be really useful if you could just describe very quickly what your companies do. So, Will, if you could describe what Warren Services do. Uh, so Warren Services is a subcontract machine builder. So we make equipment for companies around the world in low volume. So we have all the processes in-house, you know, laser cutting, high-pressure water cutting, CNC machining, you know, electromechanical assembly and tests. And then we ship those machines around the world to solve customers' problems. Great. Thank you. And Chris, tell us what SDE Technologies does. So SDE Technology, we are one of the leading metal pressings and fabrication companies in the UK. We have two powder coating lines. We have laser cutting. And we've also become the first licensee for a new hot form aluminium process for lightweighting and cost saving within the automotive and aerospace industries. Great. So thank you both for joining us today on this uh, first of our podcast. So um, let's just dive straight in. So, uh, you know, we've all been around the industry for quite a long time and we're hearing the word digital transformation more and more and more. Uh, and it's been used in relation to business and the industry a lot. But but what, what does it really mean? So, um, you know, Will, when, when you hear that phrase, um, what do you understand by the phrase digital transformation? Um, it means lots of things, but it's about using the data we have within the business and external to the business to make the business more efficient. And we see it as a, it, it's a, it's a must have. If we don't transform digitally, we will be destroyed might be too big a word, but you know, it's, it's the savings that can come from using that data and being more digital and, and, and saving money basically is, is transformative within the business. Now, that, that's an interesting point you make about data. Can you just share with me some examples of, you know, what sort of data are you talking about? Because, you know, again, that's a term that's used a lot as well, data. But what data do you specifically mean? So, well, an easy example is currently we use our robot process automation to take the data out of our invoices that come into the business. So we use OCR technology to take the data off those invoices to match with our ERP system and populate our account system. But actually, we want the data. We don't want a PDF that we have to scan. We want hard data, an XML file 
with the data that's in the invoice rather than having to extract the information out. You know, like design data, we want the data behind the CAD, not necessarily just the CAD. You know, we don't want the drawing, we want the model, but then we also want the data that drove the model so we can use that information without having to pick it apart and use assumptions around it. That's quite a, a really interesting point because we we do see lots of conversations going around about you know automating um, the the flow of information from one part of a business to another and you know what I often see is um, how can you effectively move an Excel spreadsheet from one team to another and it seems like that's not really what we're talking about in terms of um, digital transformation what what you you seem to be saying will is. Um, how can we take the information from that Excel spreadsheet and make it more readily available uh, across the business as opposed to just automating shifting of a, instead of shifting a piece of paper from one department to another and then switching that to shifting a spreadsheet from one department to another, how do we take the intelligence out of the, you know, the PDF, the spreadsheet, the CAD file, whatever, and, and make that more available? Would you say, would you say that's, that's aligns with your view? Yeah, totally. You, you know, one of the easy things to do is make the data easily to share in a digital format. So we we at Warren Services haven't stored any paper documents for the last 20 years. So we can share those documents, but still some of those documents are like pictures of data where we really want the data. We don't want to share the document. We want to automate the data going from one system to another to really benefit from it. You know, Sharing the information digitally is more of like industry 3.5. Using the real data, the qualified data, is industry 4, I believe. Excellent. Yeah, great. So, Chris, this might sound like a really strange question, but but why is it so important for um, people in our industry, particularly SMEs, to undergo this kind of transformation? Well, where we are in our business, we're, we're quite a traditional manufacturing company so a lot of manual processes manual press work and as will said it's really about capturing the data very quickly turning it into meaningful information and metrics that then we can tackle and for sort of press work and our engineering companies where we've got very traditional processes traditional machines that step i mean we're we're not on industry 4.0 Will said it might even be industry 3.0 for us. We've got a long way to go, and it's how we can engage SMEs to fast track that that sort of uh, that level up. And so, uh, you know, we talk a lot to SMEs, and some of them quite clearly say, "Yeah, well, you know, I, I can kind of do this sort of stuff anyway. I've got a process in place; it's kind of working." And you know, sometimes you get a sense that um, there's not that sense of why, uh, the, the, the why. So, you know. Why do you think, Chris, it's important? What's what's the real message that we, we need to send to the market? So this is why you should do it. Well, we're we're constantly yeah, we're constantly asking why within our business. Why are we doing something a certain way? Why do we have two measures on the same product? Why can't the information be there so we can drill down on a product or a process and see a is it efficient? Where's the waste? And it's only by being able to integrate that that system and interrogate the data, that's the only way we can move forward. A lot of manufacturing in certainly the Midlands, the UK, still has very manual hands-on systems, and we need to get away from that. We need to be encouraging our teams to think completely differently. 
We've got a lot of young people coming into engineering now, and they are thinking in a completely different way. And what we, what I like about Autodesk um, is that there are systems now, so they can come into a business, look at what we're currently doing, and integrate systems to give us cost savings. And don't forget, efficiencies are all about cost savings or allowing the business to make capacity to grow. So I think if, if we kind of just follow the discussion so far, what Will was saying is that it's the data and the information is really the, the heart of digital transformation. And if you get it right, we can empower more people to kind of just drill down and make great decisions based on accurate information, but also drive cost savings and efficiency. And I think sometimes that, that message gets lost in this kind of whole digital transformation industry for kind of comment. I think it needs to be broken down as simply as that in order for more manufacturers to to kind of really adopt it. Do, do you think that enough people really understand that digital can lead to um, efficiency, cost reduction, boosts in productivity? Uh, uh, Chris? No, I think most people, when they think we've had this conversation, if they think of Industry 4.0, they think of robotics, automation, uh, very high-level CAD design. And that works in lots of industries, but it doesn't necessarily work in some of the manufacturing sectors. Certainly the traditional manufacturing sectors like presswork, fabrication, it's more about how can we take that data and how can we use that data and do something with that data? How can we understand exactly through that whole process where the waste was, where the opportunities are to improve the process? Right. Okay. And so we touched on a term, we've, you've both said it, you know, industry four, I think actually is a term, it's something like, you know, nine or 10 years old. So it's probably already out of date. Um, but apparently we're still living through this kind of a revolution. So um, if you think about um, other uh, small to medium-sized companies uh, like yourselves, what do you think are the most transformative things that are available to the SME sector right now, either in terms of technology or, or thought processes? And which do you think are going to become even more important given what we're just currently living through? Uh, so, Will, do you want to have a, have, have a first response at that? <laughs> there's so many and it depends on what problem you're trying to solve and there's not a one solution fits all you the, the, to make digital work you have to work out what the biggest problem in the business is you're trying to solve or the biggest problem of your customer you know it's sometimes about customer con customer connectivity with with data and engineering or it might be supplier communication or it might be internal process um, verification or measurement or you know what the machines are doing so there's there's so many things but the, the great thing is there's so many things can be done so cheaply you know some of the tools out there you know from Microsoft we use um, the Office 365 platform as our like productivity tool in that sort of workspace and we use um, like Teams shared Excel documents for mocking up stuff before we write actual software for things you know it's a great it's a great tool and then you know there's lots of cheap entry points you know we're, we're obviously heavily invested in autodesk products but you know they're the push towards the new um fusion platform you know they're making it sort of democratizing that tool making it super cheap making students use it you know making startups use it is it's 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 having this sort of breadth of technology and there's no one magic bullet will fix every business because every business has different challenges. So it's it's about looking at the challenge and finding the right solution. 
What was interesting there, uh, Will, was that you, you, you kind of just started by saying there's no silver bullet and it's important for people to kind of understand what problem are you trying to solve. So I think they heard that pretty clearly. And I really like the comment you made about democratizing the, the, the availability of you know, information through, through technology to help more people in the business. So, um, you know, kind of interesting comments. Chris, what, what about your perspective? Well, I think obviously the, the unprecedented times that we've just gone through mean that more and more people are now working from home. More and more people are using these sort of digital platforms. Uh, and I think these digital platforms will get better and better because they're going to need to. Demand will grow and grow. Um, but it's really about sharing data, being uh, safe and secure with data, and also accessing uh, data from internally from our company um, when we're working from home. So it's really about companies having to get very slick and very very quickly update their systems. But I think the, the COVID-19 virus will just accelerate the need for technology to be even better. So it's exciting. So there's a sense of almost um, we've, we have been forced um, to kind of uh, adopt newer ways of working. Um, and maybe some of that could be carried through into um, whatever the, I don't even want to say the word new normal, but I have to say it, whatever the normal looks like in the future, um, the lessons we've learned from this uh, pandemic hopefully should you know, carry through. But I think it also, as if it's the, it's the opportunity it's sprung as well around, you know, we're now, you know, we're managing our data through uh, Vault Pro in the design area, you know, and then using Fusion Lifecycle for change management. Well, if we've got those systems really locked down for use in the office environment and local home working, well, why can't we employ engineers from Scotland or from Wales or from, you know, the South Coast? Or why not in the US time zone or the, you know, Japanese time zone? So we started thinking more, you know, some projects we work on are super time critical. So you can only work your team so many hours in the UK. Well, if you've got super solid pro digital processes, well, actually, could we work with a team in the US and some people in, you know, the Japanese sort of time zone? So we could work 24 hours a day so we could, you know, progress these projects at much higher speed. So we wouldn't have necessarily thought about that unless we were we were thinking about it. But, you know, it's accelerated that thing. So from adversity, sometimes you realize the opportunities that are there. That's an interesting point, Will. So the, potentially the flexible availability of uh, skills and expertise from outside of the traditional ways we, you know, we, we, if we want an engineer, you either go to like a recruitment agency or local college or a school, or you have, uh, Chris, I know you guys and, and Will, you've got your own apprenticeship programs. But, you know, potentially if we do make data more available, if we do connect and collaborate, perhaps that opens up the uh, the opportunity to find new skills and new expertise from anywhere in the world and have almost this sort of 24-7 round-the-clock um, kind of working practices. And I think that that itself could be pretty transformational. So that's where opportunity can come. I mean, uh, there's lots of things now. So we're looking at products or markets that have gone down in volume. So we're very quickly looking at new markets that we wouldn't potentially have looked at. So online shopping, making our own product. I'm trying to put myself in, in the shoes of maybe someone who's listening into this uh, this podcast and let's imagine that i'm um running a design and manufacturing business and we we meet up at a conference or something and we uh, we're networking and i'm asking you for your advice and 
it sounds great. The theory sounds great, as, as, as all of this sort of stuff does. But what are the practical things I would need to consider to start my transformational journey? If you could maybe share, you know, from your experience. So, um, Chris, we'll, we'll sort of start with you. What, what advice would you give me um, if I said to you, Chris, I'm thinking of getting a bit more di- digital in my business and uh, create some new workflows. What, what advice would you give me? Well, you've really got to you've really got to think completely differently. Uh, you've got to map the current processes, and then understand how quickly you can get to the end goal. So, look at where you want to get to, which is for us having um, no paperwork on the shop floor, completely digital, everything on one integrated system, and we're still uh, a way away from that. But we understand there's a timeline. So, don't try and scrap everything that you originally had. Um, map out what you've got, map out where you want to go and do a roadmap and invest some time either in people um, or time in your your current process. So allow yourself time to look at where you want to go. That's a good point because I think sometimes people may misinterpret transformation as revolution. Um, there's a great film um, uh, about the founders of McDonald's. Um, um, I think it's on Netflix or other platforms. Um, and they show the original two guys who ran the very first McDonald's burger bar. And um, what they did is they kind of got a playground and mapped it out with a sort of red tape of where all the sort of the, the sort of cooking stations and washing stations were. And they watched and they observed and they timed their staff going through it. And they 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 kind of they did that a number of times until they realized better and better ways to do it. So it sounds like you know that's almost probably a really good place to start. It's just as, as I think you said, Chris, mapping out your processes. Does, does that does that kind of resonate with what you were saying? Well, it does, and yeah, you can't you can't throw everything away um, because you'll end up inputting something very quickly because you have to. What you need to do is take small steps, but understand as a business where you need to get to, and make sure you're investing in your people all the way along that process because they are they are the drivers of process. So they need to understand what you're doing, why you're doing it, and they will embrace it. So certainly. There's more and more young people coming into manufacturing, as I said, and they are ready to embrace digital technology. They are ready to embrace a new way of thinking. Um, but current staff are willing to do that as well. Certainly in these these times, every business needs to change very quickly. And Will, people is, a, as I know, a subject close to both your hearts, but I've heard you say a few times, Will, that you, um, you want to invest in your human capital. I think you have that sort of phrase inside, Warren. Um, how how has these how is digital kind of empowering your people? What what notices sorry what are you noticing that's different about them or um, what are they now able to do and how is their attitude towards work? The, the people are our biggest asset. You know, I've said many times before, any idiot can spend millions of pounds worth on, on machines, but you know, the people will be the biggest advantage of this and also the hardest thing to crack so you've got the change you know the change piece of work you know not everyone's going to like this but you've got to encourage them to like it and show them the wins you know we i would say we want to free the people from the mundane you know whether that's loading parts into a machine or loading data onto a system or screw or going through reports to find you know, the answer when we really want the system to tell us the answer, you know, it's about making it clear to them that their job role may become redundant, but their job is not becoming redundant. You know, the robot will steal your job, 
but the robot will give you a better job. You know, we've got instances of a young lady that has generally done all the invoice processing, you know, incoming invoicing. She's now in September starting on a uh, HR apprenticeship because the role of doing the invoices is becoming less, but there's more need for us supporting our young management team to be better managers, you know, better communicators, rolling out the digital program. So I think, you know, our aim is to be able to use digital to pay people more money because we're not paying them for doing anymore. We're paying them for thinking. And there is always a fear that there will be casualties along the way, but that will be the very last thing that we will do. You know, we will train, train and retrain and try. Um, but, you know, you have to realize that sometimes there might become a point where not everyone can be part of the new future of the company. You know, hopefully that doesn't happen. But talking about what, you know, something Chris just said about making a plan and you said about what to do, I sort of agree with that, but also don't, as in, don't spend too much time planning. Just do something. Do something that's cheap. And if it doesn't work, throw it away and do something else because otherwise you get stuck in this thing of, we must spend ages working out a strategy of how we're going to do this. And six months down the line, they're still thinking about a strategy and how we're going to make it all perfect. I, I, we're a great believer in agile development, MVP, minimum viable product. Get it out rough and dirty, get the people using it and get the people to define what they want the system to do. Don't spend too much time trying to make a really great system without actually using it and getting the people using it to tell you how they want it to work. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's something we see a lot of, I guess, uh, is um, you get sort of process paralysis or the, uh, um, the goal is perfection instead of progress. And so sometimes being too strategic can, can certainly um, pre um, prevent us moving forward. So, um, Chris, what's your kind of view on how you start having these conversations with your people? Because like Will was talking about the, the robots will take your job, but, but they will give you a better job. It sounds like, Will, from what you're saying, that um, your staff uh, are enjoying potentially more variety in their role. And, and, and I, and I, I guess that people are, enjoy that opposed to having the mundane um, you know, nine to five, I'm going to do the same thing over and over again. But it's still a difficult conversation to broach with your staff. So Chris, how, how, how do you go about having that initial, potentially very difficult discussion with people? Well, it is difficult. But I think you've got to, if you've got an engaged workforce, they can see that the end goal is to grow the business. Now, as Will said, the, the fundamental is the robots aren't there to take your job per se. They are there to speed up the process to make more capacity. More capacity means you might need more salespeople. You might look at different sectors, as with COVID now we are. As markets go down or reduce, we're looking for different markets. But it's a really about retraining those people, as Will said. The skills that we've got within our company and the enthusiasm and the loyalty, we certainly don't want to lose any of that. So if it means we end up with lots of different people doing lots of different roles, that's great. Now, certainly since we bring, bring bringing people back off furlough, everyone within the company is now doing a slightly different role potentially than they were. We're all having to sort of muster a lot of enthusiasm to keep positive, but automation and digitization, all that does is help speed up processes to create more capacity. 
more capacity means the ability to grow. And that's that's got to be in everyone's interest, the employees and the employer. And you, you said something that actually really um, resonates is um, the op- the goal is to grow the business. And I think if, if employers like you know other leaders like yourself start with that as the objective, um, it feels like that would be a more smoother path to having that discussion with people as opposed to saying, the objective is to save money or save costs or drive productivity. Because those are all, you know, interesting terms and important terms. But since digitization will be successful or not as a result of the people, um, growing the business or making the pie bigger seems to be a much better place to start. Um, have you have you ever come across people that have just said, actually, no, no, thanks. I don't want any part of this. I just want to keep doing things the way I've always done them. Uh, will, uh, let's, let's direct that question to you. Um I think for us, we've always had a bit of a culture of change. Some people are more like anti it in a way than others, but they all sort of accept it because, you know, we're 30 years old. We, my mother and father started a business in our garage. We're now employing 100 plus people in 80,000 square foot service in industries around the world. <clears throat> so they've seen all this change over 30 years. So we've, we had the transformation from manual machining to CNC machining. And then we started laser cutting and high pressure water cutting and painting things and assembling things and having an electrical department and then getting, you know, all these different accreditations, you know, so people have, you know, gone through 9,000, 14,000, 18,000, you know, fit for nuclear, you know, different schemes and projects and change and new equipment and new ways of working. So, you know, they sort of, they get used to it, but I don't know whether they ever, not everyone loves it, but hopefully they want to come along on the journey. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that would be a fun conversation to have with, with certain people. So, uh, Chris, you were, you were going to say something, sorry. Yeah, I mean, you, you always have people in life who are quite content with the role they're currently in, don't want to change, just want to do the set hours, the set job, go home, no hassle. But what business really needs are people who they can engage with and take on that journey. And certainly at SDE, what we want is the next engineers to come through, the next team leaders, next managers, next directors. We're looking to grow the business, and we want people who want to be part of that growth. And Industry 4.0 and digitization is really about how you improve, how you grow, and whether that's the team, whether it's processes, whether it's uh, the company, whether it's the data, it's really about improvement, constant improvement. How do we get better at what we do every single day? And I think if you look at the majority of people, most people want to improve every day. Now, whether they have a slightly easier work role, whether they have slightly more interest, whether they have slightly more fun at work, it's all about a very, very small step change so you get better at what you're doing. Mm, yeah, that's a great point. And there's a really strong sense of how do we do things better in, w- in what you're both saying. And that seems to be, it seems like it needs to be the fundamental backbone of the conversation that any leader has with their team is um, we're looking for continuous ways to do things better. And technology probably is just a way to do that. It's not the sort of end, end goal in itself. Um, do you think, uh, uh, Chris, again, do, do you think that's really well understood Um, because when people talk about uh, industry four and technology and big data and all those sort of buzzwords do you think that sense of getting better is getting lost 
in that messaging or do you think it's pretty clear? I think it's clear to most people and I think it's clear to most successful businesses. Uh, So I know Will's business, I know our business. We engage with our, our staff and we are constantly trying to and striving to improve. And I think successful businesses are doing that. I think the businesses that aren't successful are losing that message or don't understand that message or don't pursue that message with their employees. So it's really, you can see where people are learning lessons and you can see where people aren't. Uh, and successful businesses, the message is getting through, I think. And so what about the unsuccessful? Well, let's, let's just say the unsuccessful businesses or, or people that are not sort of typical of like yourselves and, and, and Will. How do we get through to um, leaders of those organizations? Will, what, what's your kind of thought on how, how do we connect with those people about something that they care about? It's about showing them that it's like other people are doing it. You know, it, it always makes more sense that someone thinks, oh, Warren Services, we do stuff like they do, you know why we can do the same it's about showing you know if a big technology company goes in and goes we can solve all your problems you just buy our system and do 50 days of implementation at a thousand pound a day and it'll all be great uh, <laughs> and they're going to go yeah i don't think so so i think it's about us just being happy like through this podcast like through some of the events we do and ha- we host events at warren services you know i want warren services to be great i want warren services to be leading in lots of things including our um, digital transformation but we're happy to share that with other companies and i think it's making it easy for them to adopt you know that it's not big upfront cost that it's something they can try out easily and and you well know as if we're a great believer in the um digital catalyst program and chris was saying earlier you know earlier on how do you implement things in companies? And one of the easiest ways is to, um, you know, get a smart young person in the business and let them have a dig about. And then in a few days, they're like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? And if you're happy and open to that and you haven't got a big ego and going, well, what do you know? You're a young kid straight out of university with an engineering degree. I've been doing this for 30 years. Yeah, you might well have been doing it for 30 years, but it doesn't mean you know everything about it. So, you know, there's amazing resource in these young people who think completely differently. Sometimes it's good to, you know, upset the apple cart. So almost a sense of bringing in this kind of like non-expert to kind of just just very openly and honestly just ask the questions that maybe we've forgotten to ask. Is You know, why are we doing it in this way? And potentially, do you know there's a five or six different ways to do that differently or better? So um, a, st- a strong sense of bringing in that non-expert. Yeah, definitely. You know, we've had quite a lot of success with that um, with that system. You know, but you need to be happy to take it on board. You know, and I think some manufacturing companies aren't aren't led by people that want to be told by a 22 year old that you know maybe they should look at a different way of doing this. So you've got to be as a business open to that um, level of scrutiny from a young person, but it can be very very valuable to the business and very low cost. Uh, do you have an example of um, some of the insights that you know one of these young people gave you personally, Will, that you ultimately implemented in your business? Oh, it's loads of things. It's just, you know, they, they come up with the most obvious things. And you're like, how could I not have noticed that or not thought about that? You know, why we're entering this piece of information twice. And it's, it's, a, it's a system that developed over years. And, you know, we bolted bits on and, and they looked under the hood a bit and were like, well, 
this doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And I'm like, well, now you say it, it doesn't. But over the last <laughs> 10 years, as we've developed it, it seemed perfectly sensible. But um, all of a sudden, now you've pointed that out, yeah, well, I look quite foolish, which is fine. I'm, I'm happy to um, take that on board. You know, we want to, we want our staff to, to challenge us. You know, yeah. I'm yeah. not a, you know, I'm not a leader that's fearful of my staff. You know, I want them to, them to be able to say, look, I think we might be doing this wrong. And, yeah. and some of these smart young people are, you know, are happy to say that, which is good. And Chris, I know you guys at SDE are big, big, big investors in, in skills and young people. Um, what are some of the insights that uh, some of these kind of, uh, let's call them non-experts, have, have brought to your business and if, if you could share? Well, really, as, as Will said, it, it's coming in with a completely fresh pair of eyes, knowing what technology is out there and knowing software, knowing things like iPads and how, how easily apps can be used. Uh, and coming into our business, not knowing the business at all, looking at what we need from a process or to gather data, and very quickly they come up with ideas that we've never even thought of because they, they don't know our business. That's the problem. Once you've been inside a business so long, you do get into the habit of this is the process, this is the way we've always done it. But I think one of the biggest problems we've, we've got with digitization, Industry 4.0, as you said, Industry 4.0 now, the term itself, is quite old. We need something, whether that's a tech roadway, a tech path, it's all about process improvement and digital and digitalization is just part of that process improvement. So it's it's how you can make your business more reactive, better growth, better people within your business because you're constantly training. But that's what it's all about, not just automation. What I heard both of you say was was that um that fresh perspective um, potentially is one of the one of the most powerful ways to um, you know start building your transformational map or journey or pathway. Um, it it doesn't sound like it's actually that difficult to do. Just just get get the right fresh pair of eyes into the business. Um, now, now, Will, I know you're you're looking at sort of universities and students, and Chris, I know you're kind of um, coaching and developing and training people at the, at the Marches Centre. Why does it seem to, that it's so difficult for other manufacturers to do because there's universities and colleges everywhere. Why aren't more people doing this? Why aren't more people bringing in these non-experts? Well, why do you think, um, Chris, let's, let's start with yourself. Well, it's really about working and finding the right partners to work with. So whether that be the right college, the right university, the right training partner, or for example, Autodesk and what you're doing with the placements, it's, it's about finding someone you can work with and too many manufacturers have worked with a uh, partner whether it be a college a university that it just hasn't worked out and I think there's more and more a look to manufacturing now is a career I think the apprenticeship role is the best way to get a, a, a loan free degree but I think engineering and manufacturing everyone can see is going to restart and kick the economy going forward and I think now there's actually more of an interest from young people to come into manufacturing. So I think the time is now perfect for manufacturers to restart looking at working with Autodesk and, and similar placements. And Will, from your point of view, um, why do you think, if it's so easy, there's, there's hundreds of colleges, hundreds of universities in the UK, um, some of the best in the world, actually. Why is it so difficult for more manufacturers to just kind of knock on their door and say, hey, you know, I'd like to get someone into my business. What do you think the problems and the barriers are? 
because they don't bother knocking on a door and asking. You know, <laughs> it's it. You know, people are just like you know they're they're just stuck in their way and they don't they don't know any better. You know, they don't try. You know, we've got amazing apprenticeship program and we've got amazing young people entering the business and people say oh, you know, how do you do it? And I'm like, well, my mum and dad have been working on this for 40 years. You know, my the business my dad ran prior to this business, you know, it's baked within us, you know, this engagement with schools, colleges, universities. And, yeah, sometimes it's really frustrating because academia is not business. You know, we're lucky in a way that we've got – we work very closely with our local college, uh, College of um, uh, West Suffolk, West Suffolk College, um, which is great for all our apprenticeship training. And then we've got Cambridge University down the road and the UEA at Norwich. You know, we work with the um, RFM, the Institute of Manufacturing at Cambridge, which is very business focused. You know, and they want to have that engagement, but, but you need to spend the time to make the engagement. You know, it does take time. You don't get anything for free in this life. You know, it's true of anything. You need to build customer relationships you need to build supplier relationships you need to build your pipeline your supply chain of talent you know we've just recruited another three apprentices for um this year's you know you know some of them have started already you know this september start for their education but what we're finding is what chris said as well is you know we've got some very very bright kids that are now on this degree level apprenticeship program people would, who would have traditionally gone to Russell Group universities are seeing, well, I could go to Warren, I'm going to get paid, I'm not going to end up with £50,000 worth of debt, um, and I'm going to have six years of industrial experience, and this will still count towards you know, being a chartered engineer. This looks like quite a, quite a good option for me. So somebody, some of these people are like the top students. There's a young lady, and I'm not allowed to say it is, at a local, we have a feeder um, establishment, um, one of the UTCs, um, which is based in uh, Norwich. And, and I, I'm fairly sure one of their students was offered a place at, say, Cambridge University and has turned that place down to take an apprenticeship with Dyson. You know, that's the sort of stories we need to be telling people, you know, that that Dyson has got a really good name, you know, the, the training you received there. But if you, it's just about keeping and building those relationships over many years. But I think especially the colleges and universities now with um, the apprenticeship levy and the government pushing for this connection to business, you know, that education should be, especially vocational education, should be driven by business. So I think it's just, you know, the amount of time you put in is equal to the, benefit you get out of it so i'd like to kind of um bring it back to kind of i suppose the final question i wanted to ask both of you and um you won't be surprised um it's next steps <clears throat> something i'm really passionate about is how do we boil all this kind of knowledge and experience down into practical things that anybody listening to this podcast could do so um if there was a three-point plan that you wanted to leave with uh any other leader of a design and manufacturing business um, in order to get them on their digital transformation journey or whatever we want to call it, um, whether it's to do with technology, people, processes, strategy, leadership, it could be anything. What would what would be your three-point recommendation? Um, Chris, could we start with you? 
Yeah, so the first thing I would do and the first thing I did um, is start speaking to people. Speak to A, other manufacturers. Speak to yourself, Asif. Um, when we're talking about Industry 4.0, I heard you talk. Do as much background information as you can to learn the lessons from other people. Then look at your current business. Look at your current strengths and your weaknesses. Uh, the processes that you want to improve the growth plans that you've got in place and the people you've got. And then really the, the final point is, as Will said, I mean, I, I mentioned road mapping where you are now and then starting, but don't be afraid to start. So industry 4.0, going back to our conversation many years ago, Asif, the thing that struck me was do something different. So I have since that point many years ago done something different than our competitors. SDE technology is investing in new processes, investing in our people, and staying ahead of the competition. That's key. And don't wait Don't wait to start the journey. Start the journey sooner rather than later, and you will reap rewards. But if you don't start the journey, you will end up standing still, and somebody else will be ahead of you. So um, start talking to people, peers, colleagues, other customers. Um, uh, uh, start looking at what problem you want to solve. What what is it you're trying to do, and then make a start. Kind of seems to be the summary of what you're saying, Chris. Does that, does that sound right? Well, it is, yeah. And really, don't be afraid of engaging with customers, suppliers, competitors, and really look at what the market needs. So you must speak to your customers. What is the what is the defining thing your customer comes to you for? whether that's quality, cost, which is normally a given, service, supply. Customers are looking for technology. They're looking for a better service. They're looking for better feedback. So it's really make sure you're speaking to the right people, speaking to all the stakeholders. But then once you've made a start, it takes a lot of enthusiasm to keep the momentum. So don't start and then fail or falter because you haven't put enough resource behind it like Will and his company, I see fantastic enthusiasm, fantastic potential, and Will is constantly banging the drum for what Warren Services have done. And the same at SDE, it's about telling people what you're doing, but making sure you've got the enthusiasm and effort to carry it through. Okay, so it's as much about attitude as well as, as you know, kind of what you do. So, um, Will, what, what about your uh, three-point plan for... Uh... Um, anybody that might be listening uh, and thinking, mm, I think I could give digital transformation a go. I think, you know, get a bright, young, smart, you know, graduate or any, you know, young person in your business to have a look around, turn over a few, you know, things and, and give you some sort of free advice. You know, once they've done that, also think of the biggest problems that you have in the business you know the things that are stalling growth or where there's a bottleneck or you know where there's the biggest quality problem you know align that with what the the this person or young person you know digital catalyst whatever you want to call them has done and then do something quick and cheap that everyone can benefit from and then everyone can input from do not try and implement something big you know, uh, a big system that will do everything because it will fail. You know, do something cheap that doesn't cost a lot of money and then you can see the benefits and then the rest of the business will then go, oh, actually, could I do this? Could I do that? And the best 
digital transformation comes from the people doing the stuff. So, you know, we've had a suggestion the other day about a system for reordering consumable um, like nuts and bolts and stuff. This They found an app at home. Could we use this with the robot to order things? Yeah, great. Knock yourself out because that will definitely succeed because it's got the buy-in because it was their idea. You know, do just do something. You know, there's so much stuff you can do for free or very low cost. And there's plenty of people to help, you know, not just Autodesk, you know, the people from, there's loads of stuff on YouTube, on the internet, you know, we're in an age of information availability. You know, you have to filter it a bit, um, but there's some great people telling some stories and, you know, talk to people like me and Chris, you know, we're normally pretty happy to talk to people within our space and show and, and let them come to the factory. So it's a little bit harder at the moment and, and see what other people are doing. And so we're, we're kind of coming towards the end of the, the show. Um, and I think what I've learned, what I've heard you both say is that digital transformation, if we break it down into it's the most simplest term, it's nothing more than the, a way to look at our businesses and do something better. And if we just use technology to enable that definition of better, whatever it is, um, it seems to be about providing more people in the organization information in order for them to do their job more effectively, which what I heard you both say was it could empower them to have more enthusiasm, bring the right attitude into their role and perhaps make them less fearful of change, which you know we hear a lot about with kind of automation. And sounds like the best place to start would be to ask yourself what, what it is that we want to do better. What does better look like for us? and start developing a plan just to kind of give it a go without overcomplicating it. And so hopefully, the, the, you know, the, the great input you've both shared with us today is going to help more people to reflect on their organizations and maybe even give, a, give it a go, maybe even have a go at some of the things that you guys have talked about. So I'd like to thank you both for sharing some of your experiences and, and, and expertise on how you have started to transform your business. And I'm sure that transformation is going to continue. So thank you very much, both of you. Um, and thank you to the audience. And make sure you tune into our next episode and you'll find out more about how we can work to make things that we think might be impossible, possible.